Okay, um, as you know, First Thessalonians was Paul's first letter to the young church he had planted in the busy city of Thessalonica. Um, and Timothy and Silas were with him as he wrote, and he was writing to clarify some things to this church about the Lord's return, as well as to encourage the new believers. And these new believers were Jews and Gentile alike, and he wanted them to keep persevering in the midst of the persecution they had been experiencing as new believers. Now, the Lord gave me four R's for the message on chapter one, receive, reveal, resist, and ready. So we need to receive the word like the believers did in Thessalonica. We need to reveal the changes that have been made in our lives as believers, and I will go over each of these. We need to resist those who persecute us for our faith in Christ, and we need to be ready for the Lord's return. So number one, we need to receive the word like the believers in Thessalonica did. In verse six, it reads, and you became followers, or some translations say imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. So Paul had first wished them grace and peace from the Lord, and he expressed his thanks for them and their work of faith, their labor of love, and their patience of hope. Now that verse 3 in the New Living Translation reads, As we talk to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and your continual anticipation of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I didn't put this in the lesson, but one, um, I had come across how uh, someone had connected verse 3 with verse 9 and 10 in chapter 1, where it talked about their faithful work connects to how they turn from idols and turn to God, the living God. Their loving deeds goes with how they were now serving the living God, and then their patient hope goes with how they were waiting for the Lord's return. So I thought, thought it was kind of interesting in, in verse 3 and then verse ten, and 9 and 10 how they connect. So Paul was encouraged by Timothy's report after visiting them, since Paul was not able to return on his own to encourage them on the right path and to make good choices. So often... Uh, you know, he was like a proud parent. It talks about a mom or a, a father. And he wanted to affirm them. And, um, you know, since he hadn't been with them for a few months, he wanted to affirm them in the good report that he had heard about them. And I thought as I worked on this as moms, it's past, I'm, I'm still a mom, but my son's 46. He's not about to listen to his mom too much, um, unless I'm saying, do you need money? Um, <laughs> But as moms, or even grandmas, we need to build up our children. We need to affirm them in what they are doing right. If that's for me, tell them I'll call them back. Um, we need to encourage them on the right path and to make good choices. Often as moms, I think sometimes we just correct, or we criticize, or we judge, or, or we want to point out their faults. Uh, what they did wrong, and that tears them down. But we need to reaffirm what they're doing right instead of reaffirming what they're doing wrong. And we're going to get into Paul's heart of a father more in chapter 2. 
Now in verse 6, again in the New Living Translation, it reads, So you receive the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. Now, when you stop and think, when you first heard the gospel, the way of salvation through faith in Jesus and his finished work on the cross, you received it. You received the truth. We believed it, we acted upon it, and we became born again by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not sure about how some of you were, but many new believers are so joyous. They're so excited, so zealous. They can almost become obnoxious, right? Um, but they're filled with joy at having found the Holy Spirit and at, ha at having been given new life and eternal life. It it's a sure thing. When you meet Jesus, when you're born again, you know uh, you're, where you're going after this life. It's a, it's a sure thing. You have your ticket, so to speak. It's not just something, oh, I hope my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. I'm going to make it. No, when you put faith in Jesus Christ and you're born again, you know. And these believers evidently were growing in their faith, even as 2 Peter 3.18 tells us all to do, grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they were growing. They continued to receive the word uh, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Now, receive there in Greek means to accept or to take. Webster's says it means to welcome or to apprehend mentally, to learn, to have room for. They had accepted Jesus. They took him into their hearts and lives. Now, in reality, you know, you'll say, well, when did you accept Jesus? Or, well, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Well, in reality, we sinful men or women are become acceptable to a holy God. It's really reversed. Yes, we take Jesus in, we accept his free gift of grace, we receive that gift, but then we become acceptable. We become cleansed and covered in the robe of righteousness. So we become acceptable to a holy God. But we usually will say, well, we accepted Christ, and, and we did, but then he accepts us as well. So as we learn more about our Savior, we need to keep receiving God's word into our lives with the joy of the Holy Spirit because the enemy, the, wor the world, and our flesh is always going to try to hinder us in our learning and growing as a believer. But God, he loves us, and he's given us the Holy Spirit who is our teacher. Jesus said he was our teacher, and he would give us understanding of God's word. Um, he gives us the ability to receive, to accept, to take in, to welcome, to have room for God's word in our lives. And God's word is living. We know it feeds and nourishes us, according to Matthew 4.4. 4. And there as well, where Jesus said, it is written as he stood against the enemy. It's the sword of the spirit, which we're to use against any form of attack. God's word counters the world's philosophy, and the lies and deceptions of the enemy. And it helps us to put to death the old nature, the old man, as, that we battle. We battle in all three of these areas until we go home to be with the Lord. So we need to receive the word, yes, salvation, the gospel, the mes message that was preached, but then continue to receive God's word into our lives so that then changes will be made, even as they were in the 
Thessalonian believers. So the second point is then we need to reveal the changes that are made as a result of receiving the word. So we need to reveal the changes that have been made in our lives as believers. Verse 7 says, So that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia, I think that's how you say it, who believe. Verse 8, For from you the word of the Lord is sounded forth not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. And verse 9, How you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for a son from heaven. Their faith was real. Their faith was genuine. It resulted in changed lives. And that's what our faith needs to do as well. And when you think about it, unless you just got saved like this morning or yesterday, you should be able to see changes from when you first got saved, when you first were born again. The Lord is going to be making changes in you, changing you from the inside out, making you more Christ-like in how you think, how you act, how you talk, the activities that you enjoy, even some of the people that you want to uh, spend time with. All that changes. And as you receive the word, let me ask, do you respond to it by letting the word change you? Or do you say, well, that's just how I am. Well, that's okay for others. No, the word applies to all of us, and we need to let it make the changes as the spirit works within us. Can others see the changes that have been made in your life? Those that knew you before you accepted Christ and that still know you now, family members, neighbors, do they see a difference? The Thessalonica church certainly was making a difference and others could see their faith. And that, this is not to condemn anyone, but to encourage you and to exhort, because we need to change and then reveal those things so others can see what the Lord has done. And that's like in James, where he says, I'll show you my faith by my works or by my deeds. We're not saved by those things, but if it's real, then it's going to produce those good works and that change in our character and in our conduct. Reveal in uh, Webster says to make known or to expose to view or to show. Now, this is not like to counter what Chris taught on Sunday when he says we're not to boast in ourselves, and we're not. We're to boast in the Lord and the changes he's brought into our lives. We boast in the Lord and his salvation, but then how he is also changing us. I remember um, a friend of mine that knew me when I was really young, as a young believer. I wasn't so young physically, chronologically, but a young believer. And um, a couple of years later, she heard me teaching, and she said, you know, I can really sense God's done a work of grace in you. You're softer. Well, God's still doing a major work there because, anyway, that still needs to happen more and more. But she could sense that there was a change that the Lord had made, and Lord willing, it's like, you know, you've seen that little kid sign, be patient with me, God's not finished yet. Well, that's with all of us, right? God's not finished. So when we're born again, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us. 1 Corinthians 6.19, our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we're told to glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which are God's. So he's going to continue to change us, and we're to glorify God in our lives. He is at work to change us, making us more like Jesus, as I said, in our attitudes, our actions, our conduct, our character. 
Matthew 5, 16, Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that others may see your good works and give your Father in heaven the glory. So we're to live out our faith. It's not going around boasting and, and oh, you know, I'm better than you because God picked me. Well, God will receive anyone that comes to him in faith. But we are to live out our faith. It's to witness by our life and the way we live. Um, we use our words, ladies, too, but our walk should back up our talk. A pastor of a church where I went for many years used to say, and I think it was from an old-time saint, but witness always use words only when necessary, meaning your life can be a witness, a testimony of your faith in Christ. So let them call us Jesus freaks. Or let them try to make you feel that you're trying to be holier than thou or a goody, 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 you know. It's okay. Say, praise God. Praise God. Um, let your faith be your reputation as it was with those in Thessalonica. Recently, a devotion I read had a, a little line, your lifestyle is your most powerful message. That's a good one. Your lifestyle is your most powerful message. And I know it's also been said some form of this. You, are the only, you might be the only Bible an unbeliever reads. So we need to be living out our faith. We need to receive the word with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah, and I didn't, write, I didn't look it up, but Jeremiah, I think, was one that said, I did find your word and I ate it, and it became the joy and rejoicing of my heart. That's how we should feel about God's word when we go to it. And then as we see things in the word and the spirit is wanting to conform us more and more into Christ's image, we need to yield. So receive the word and then let him reveal the changes he has made and is making in your life. As, he, as you walk with him and live out your faith. Number three, we need to resist those who persecute us for our faith in Jesus Christ. Again, part of verse six, you became followers or imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. Now remember, when Paul came to the city and was preaching and teaching Jesus Christ, there were many in the city who did not receive who did not believe as those in, the, in many did. But those that didn't made it very miserable, very dangerous, very rough on Paul. In fact, they ran him out of town, if you remember. You're going to be able to talk about that in your group. There was an optional question about that from Acts 17, and I'm sure some of you worked on that. So you'll be able to talk about it. But those that got saved faced opposition right away from those in the city who didn't like it. And yet they resisted the opposition. They kept going, even in spite of the persecution. They got saved and they endured the persecution because of their faith and because of the change in their lifestyle. And there are examples for us to press on through any opposition we might encounter as believers. Rejection, mocking, ridicule, threats, embarrassment. Nothing that the Lord didn't experience and more, and nothing that believers in other parts of the world aren't experiencing and even more. Um, that's where, you know, we trust the Lord, and he allows us to go through that so that um, we grow in our relationship and our knowledge of him. Philippians 4.10, Paul said that I may know him 
the power of his resurrection, which we love, right? The power, the victory, but also we grow in knowing our Lord through the fellowship of his suffering. When we are persecuted or reach opposition because of our faith, whether it be from a family member, a neighbor, someone you work with, someone you go to school with, someone that you even just try to, you know, in the store, a clerk, and you say, did you know Jesus loves you? You know, or at Christmas you're wearing Jesus is the reason for the season, and, and they give you a weird look or a funny look. The Lord is allowing you to experience a little bit of the fellowship of his suffering, the oneness of his suffering, because he went through so much more. And so you can grow in your knowledge of the Lord and your likeness of the Lord as you go through that. Luke 9:23, and I've shared this before, is Jesus said, daily take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow after me. And when you think about it, if you're really dying to self, that old nature is dead and you're continuing to put off the old man. When you think about dead people, they don't care what people think about them, right? So don't care what other people think about you. You are alive in Christ. You're a new creature in Christ. Okay, um, resist in Webster's means to withstand, to stand firm against to withstand the action of, and it made me think of the armor we're given in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, how we are to stand and withstand with the armor that the Lord has given us. Also, James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we've got to resist, we've got to withstand, we've got to stand against and stand firm. So stand your ground, ladies, in what you believe. October 6th, in a couple Saturdays, they have the Walk for Life. They su support the work that they do through Corona Life Services of saving babies, of encouraging moms not to abort their babies. Um, whether you can walk for them and raise money, great. Financially, you can support someone else that is, or just the ministry, do that. But pray. Pray if, if you're not able to be out and be a part of that. There's a lot of areas we need to stand our ground as believers. So don't give in. Don't give up. You are victorious in Christ. Yours is a victory. Okay, lastly, four, we need to be ready, ready for the Lord's return. Verse 10 says that they waited for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Jesus endured the wrath of the Father against our sin for us, so we would never have to encounter the wrath of God. We've been saved from it, so <laughs> we should be um, rejoicing even as they were knowing they were saved from the wrath that would come that's going to be poured out on believers, an unbelieving world and a, a world that has rejected God's free gift of salvation. We've been clothed in the garments of salvation as well as the robe of his righteousness. So if the father could raise his son, Jesus, from the grave, he can certainly send Jesus to earth again. And Jesus is coming back again for his bride. For you and for me, as the church, we are part of the bride of Christ. In John 14, 1 through 3, Jesus promised to come again for us. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. And I love these verses because when you see 
the background of these verses. It's about the son who became betrothed to a bride. He went back to his father's house to build a place where they would live. When the father told him, okay, it looks good, go get your bride. That's the scenario that this John 14, one through three is. And that's what we're living in right now. Jesus said, I've gone to my father's house. In his house, there's many mansions and I go to prepare a place for you and I will come again and there we will be together. So Jesus is just waiting for his father to say, son, go get your bride. So we need to be living in expectation. The Lord could come anytime. There isn't anything as far as the prophecy signs before the Lord comes, or especially to rapture the church, to caught up, catch up the church, as some believe um, that 1 Thessalonians is dealing with. Um, either way, we need to wait with a readiness of mind not stay home, charge our credit cards up to their limit, knowing we're not gonna be here, we won't have to pay them off. It isn't to just stay in the house and not ever go out and do anything. No, we need to be about the Lord's business. We need to go out and work, as, he told, as Paul was telling them, but we also need to watch and be ready. And there's some verses in the lesson. So I, I encourage you groups to get to the end of the lesson where you can talk about the effect of anticipating the Lord's return should have on us as believers. But we need to wait with expectation that the Lord, and as I said last week, perhaps today, perhaps today, if we really went through every day with a perhaps today attitude, that perhaps today he's coming, it'd probably make a difference in the choices we make on where we go, what we do, how we live, how we dress, what we watch on TV or out in the movies. There are many different areas I'm sure it would affect. So we need to turn from whatever it is we needed to turn from to turn to God. We need to serve the Lord now and then wait with a confident expectation. So we need to receive the word like the believers in Thessalonica did. We need to reveal the changes that have been made in our lives as believers. We need to resist those who persecute us for our faith in Jesus Christ, and we need to be ready for the Lord's return. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit that you've given to each one of us that enables us, Lord, to uh, grow and, and change and, and understand your word more and more. And Lord, we thank you that you have a plan for each one of us, Lord, and we want to yield and um, submit and be a part of your plan for us, knowing it's so much better than maybe what our plans for our future would be. So Lord, have your way, I pray, in the groups. May they have an enriching time of discussion and fellowship as they get to know one another. Some just know each other better and others that are new that they would just feel so loved and welcomed. So Lord, have your way, we pray, through this series of study and in each of our lives, Lord, as you make those changes, as we grow and continue to receive your word, knowing it's living and it's our light and so many things, Lord. Thank you for the blessing of your word. And we just commit the discussion time now to you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.